0: All right, good morning, Hudson Valley Church. How y'all doing this morning? <laughs> okay. Well, Hopefully the sermon will inspire you. <laughs> but, I mean, it's a beautiful day out there. I mean, this is just, we're back to spring. Uh, spring started early, I guess, although I think there might be some snow in the forecast, in case you hadn't seen that, but... It also is supposed to be sunny and 40s this week, and so anyway, not much we can do about that, but uh, we are here this morning, and it is great to see you. Um, hopefully you've had a great morning so far. Yeah. All right, amen to that. Well, I've had a great morning, thanks for asking. Um, I, I have a, what I call a pre-game ritual, because, uh, you know, you've got to get fired up to preach a sermon, right? And so I usually wake up. Um, I I spend some time in the Word and in prayer, and then I go out for a run. I try to wrestle around our kids and get them some breakfast. And then I listen to music often. And so this morning's selection was Thunderstruck by ACDC. And so I got fired up. Uh, So I'm just saying, I don't know what's going to come out today, but you know, some thunderstruck might be coming out through the the microphones. I just wanted to prepare you uh, for that this morning, but in any case, it is great to be uh, together today. And so uh, last week we talked about That's where you come in now because you've been studying your notes all week. Mark listened. Uh, Yeah, we talked about discipleship. We talked about what it means to be a disciple of Jesus or a disciple of Jesus. Amen to that. Um, And so more quiz time. Remember that the word disciple means learner. Yes, oh, thank you. Some people remembered. Yeah, disciple means learner learner. And a disciple of Jesus is learning how to do life, how to do all of life from Jesus, the creator of life, the creator of our lives. And so the disciple of Jesus is actually being recreated through Jesus himself. So we looked at John 8 verses 31 to 32, which I'll I'll read that again here now. To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So last week we talked about how Jesus wants to move us from a place of belief. I mean, that's where we start, but it's not enough to just stay there. He moves us into discipleship and learning from Jesus how to do life. And we do this by listening to Jesus, learning from Jesus, and then living Jesus in every moment of our lives. That's what the disciple of Jesus does and who they are. And so eventually I want to take us to a place where we talk about, okay, the the nitty-gritty of how do we learn from Jesus. And we'll do that um, coming up, but I wanted to first take a step back. And talk about what it is from Jesus we're actually trying to learn to do. I mean, let's be specific about that. And so we find the core of Jesus' teaching in Luke 10, verse 27. This is the greatest commandment. We also find this in Matthew 22, but Luke 10, 27. Again, this is is the core of Jesus' teaching. Everything that Jesus taught and tries to get us to do is bound up and found in this greatest commandment. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your strength and all of your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. That's it. I mean, that's, that's it. I mean, that, that, that summarizes and establishes what Jesus taught. That's what we're after as disciples of Jesus. So it's pretty simple, right? Should be pretty simple. But we all know that the reality of being a human being, of the human condition, makes it so challenging. Can I get it? Well, I got a Yup. Thank you, Darcella, for that. But we are with you in that. I mean, You think about it day to day, this is a challenge, right? And so I I want us to talk today about why is that? Okay, why is this so hard? And I think that we can sum that up in one word the reality of sin. Hey, the reality of sin. Now, let me just say this. I had another message planned to talk about, you know, for today. I didn't want to talk about sin. Uh, honestly, I just, I just, it's not like happy and let's talk about grace and, you know, all this stuff, which, of course, grace is, is part of that. But we've got to talk about sin. I and mean, we've got to be a people that confronts sin, that understands the nature and the reality of sin, accept it as part of the human condition and figure out what in the world can we do about this because otherwise we're just going to get trapped in the same old ways of being and continually fail and just be frustrated by why we're not more like Jesus why we're not living more fulfilled and purposeful lives so we've got to talk about things that are real and are difficult and are challenging can I get an amen to that So that's where we're going today. We're going in on sin. Going in on sin. So what is sin? What does it mean? Well, sin defined is actually a term that is used in archery. And so if you have a target, so how, how many people, uh, you did, you've done some kind of archery, maybe in phys ed or something along those lines, so you've probably had some experience uh, with missing the target. But anyway, so there's a target in place, and trust me, sometimes I purposefully miss the target, but in any case, if you have this target, you pull back that arrow and you let go. If you miss that target, it's sin. That's what sin is. And so spiritually speaking, Look, God has a target for our lives, and it's not meant to be burdensome. It's meant to be fulfilling and freeing and so full of joy and love and all these different things that we really desire. That's God's target for us. But time and time again, just because of the nature of sin, we miss. We miss the target. And honestly, there are times in our lives we're not even facing the target. You know, we've turned around and we're shooting the thing in the other way, in the other direction. And I know, I mean, look, I feel this on a regular basis. I mean, this is just part of being a human being. And so even though God has this target for our lives, right, this target for our decisions, and bound up in that target, as I mentioned, our eternal riches, joy, true intimacy with the Father and with one another. Ever since the fall of mankind, okay, back in Genesis 3, we've just missed the mark. That is our reality. But we also need to talk about what is the nature of sin, okay? What does sin do? And what is... What, what is the nature of sin? And so I have two points for us today about sin. Okay, number one is that sin separates. Sin separates. And number two, sin ingrains. Okay, sin ingrains. And so by sin separating, and, and I'm going to talk about ways around this, uh, of course, through God, through, through Christ. Well, sin separates, meaning sin literally separates us from God. That's my first point. Separates us from God, and as a result, it separates us from one another. We miss out on true intimacy and relationship with one another because of sin, because of evil. But it doesn't just stop there. You see, if that were it, then we would just need forgiveness, and that's the end of the story. But it's not about just forgiveness, forgiveness is important, but it's also about sanctification. You see, sin ingrains, sin embeds itself in our inner being, in who we are. And so even though we come to a relationship in Christ, we repent, we're baptized, and we experience forgiveness, there's still work to do. You don't just stop there. And popular Christianity wants to just, I've been forgiven, so I just do whatever I want. I just do my thing out there. But that's not true. We still have these these these. these sin applications or programs running in the background and so god through relationship with christ he helps us overcome those things in our lives so let's talk about that today that's pretty much the whole sermon actually uh, any questions about that no but we are going to talk about you know what do we do with that i won't just leave you at sin separates and sin ingrains We'll talk about what to do. Okay, so point number one, sin separates. So this is a topical sermon today. Oftentimes, I, at times I do uh, textual sermons where we take one text. I, that's my preference. Um, but I think it's important to every once in a while do a topical sermon. So we're going to do a topical sermon uh, today. Um, i had to turn the remote on, actually. Or I could just have... And do it. So there's the points. Point number one. We're going to look at Isaiah 59, 1 and 2. We'll break this down a little bit and then we'll get on uh, to another passage. So Isaiah 59, verses 1 and 2. Surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save, nor his ear too dull to hear. But your iniquities have separated you from your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. And so here we see the prophet Isaiah. Okay, Isaiah was an Old Testament prophet. Um, he prophesied to Jews during a time period uh, when the Jews had been exiled to Babylon. And basically what had happened was the, the nation of Israel had been established and eventually they separate... Because of sin, they separate into the northern kingdom of Israel, the southern kingdom of Judah, and their, their, their relationship, both, both Israel and Judah, their relationship was such an up-and-down relationship with God. It actually was mostly down during that time where they would get into idolatry, they would get into, you know, all these other sin experiences, and they would be separated from God, and it would happen for a time, and then uh, sometimes a leader would come along, and they would say, hey, you know, look what you're doing, and prophets would come along and say, you got to fix this, and sometimes they would repent and change, we'll talk about that in a minute, they'd reestablish a, a, a r- right relationship with God, but then inevitably they would get back into it, right, get back into the sin, and before we go pointing the finger and laughing at them, like, what were you doing? What were you thinking? You know, look at, let's put the, put the finger back on us. We do the same thing. But here, because of that reality, this up and down, and because there just was so much sin happening, God chose Babylon, a, a godless nation, to execute his judgment and discipline upon the Jews. And they cried out, and they're like, what's the deal here? We're supposed to be your people. Supposed to be your people. You're taking this godless nation, and they're coming in, and, and, and they're you know, creating all this destruction, and now they've exiled us. Now we're living in a foreign land with all this godlessness around, this, around us. What the deal? Why this misery? But they should have known. Right? They should have known because of what they were doing. And so, Isaiah's prophesying here, and he's speaking to that. So he says, Surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to to save, nor his ear too dull to hear. The issue is not God. Right? God can save in any situation. But the problem is people. The problem is sin. And so he says, But your iniquities... Another way to say that is your sin has separated you from God. That sin has created the disconnection between you and your God. And then it says, uh, from from more of a, a figurative standpoint, but this is the reality, is that your sins have hidden his face from you. In other words, your sins have released the presence of God from your life. And in this case, from your nation, from your group of people. So that he will not hear. Right? But the issue is not God. It says prior in verse 1, his ears is not too dull to hear. The sin in your lives, Isaiah's prophesying, is what has made it this way. This is the reality of sin. Right? And so it, this, this passage highlights the effect of sin that began with Adam and Eve... Right in Genesis three, as they disobeyed God and attempted themselves to be more like God, and think about think about that experience. So Adam and Eve again. God uh, in the beginning, God created all this stuff. He created the heavens and the earth, created all the animals, the plant, all this stuff, and then He creates mankind in His own image. Mankind was created to be like God. And he looked at mankind and he said, man, this is very good. This other stuff is good. This is very good. And so human beings enjoyed perfect relationship with God in the very beginning. They were created to be like God. But then temptation comes in. Okay, this talking snake in the garden, that would have been interesting to, uh, to see and experience. But this temptation comes to them and the temptation was for them to be equal with God, but they were already like God, but they chose otherwise. You see, they stepped outside of God's will and intention for their lives. God creates boundaries for us. They stepped beyond that, and at that time, sin entered the world. The opportunity to step outside of God's will, to miss the mark, entered the world in the fall. And because of that, sin has come to all of us. Okay, sin has come to all of us. And I think it's important for us to remember that it's not about just, well, if I'm a good person, if I do five good things, uh, you know, in a day, and I do have this one thing over here that supersedes this bad deed, and so, you know, I'm a good person. No, the reality of sin is that it comes to all of us, and it separates Romans 5, verse 12. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and separated, and death through sin, and in this way, death came to all people because all sinned. That is our reality. That is our condition. You know, sin again, comes to us all when we begin to become fully aware of our thoughts, you know, as a, as a younger person, aware of our feelings, attitudes, and behaviors, we choose to sin. We choose to step outside of God's will. In other words, we choose to be our own kings. You see, that's, that's sin. You think about these different kingdoms. There's God's kingdom where God's will is done, His ways are done, or our kingdom, our will, our ways. What I want, that's what's going to go. That's how I'm going to live my life. I'm not going to worry about this burdensome God stuff over here. You can have that kingdom. I'm going to have my own way. That's the battle. That's the issue. That essentially is what sin is. And again, it separates. And we see this separating effect of sin play out in our relationships here on earth, right? And think about as children, when we step outside the will of our parents, there's separation that's created there, okay? Can I get an amen to that? All right, well, I'm gonna share a story about one of the times that I stepped way outside my parents' will and the separation that that created. So I shared this story a couple summers ago, but I think it's worth sharing again. So I was in seventh grade, and my sister had a track meet one day. This is in the spring, she had a track meet one day. And I didn't want to go to the track meet, so I decided to stay home. And a friend of mine who lived down the street, I had him come over to my house, and he was, he was more of a, a troublemaker uh, type of individual. I mean, I you know, got in my own trouble. Um, but you know I had him come up to my house, and we're outside playing basketball. My dad worked third shift, so he's asleep. Um, and my buddy and I are outside playing basketball, and I'm like, hey, let's go into my backwoods, and we'll bring uh, some gasoline with us and a lighter, and just see what happens. Let's just see what happens up there. Kathy's shaking her head at me already. You guys know where the story's going, so. Um, So, you know, it had been pretty dry at that point, so there's leaves on the ground, just not a really good recipe for anything positive to happen. But he didn't want to do it, by the way, but I was like, let's just, you know, let's go check it out. So we go up in the woods, and I was like, let's just make a circle in the back of my woods with the gasoline, and we'll light it up, and then we'll, you know, stomp it out, and then that'll be that. So we get this circle going, we light it up, and there's this circle, like, as you would expect it, and as uh, we had seen in the movies. It's really the movie's fault. I mean, it's not my fault. I was just trying to, you know, see what, if that actually worked. So, so, you know, there's this uh, fire that starts to spread a little bit, you know, here and there, and we're watching it for a minute. I was like, all right, let's try, it. let's, let's stomp this thing out at this point, point. and so we're trying to stomp it out, and it's, now it's really starting to spread, and I was like, Okay, we need water or something. Can you run over to my house and get water? So I'll stay up here and stomp it out. So I'm trying to stomp it out. He runs back to my, wa- my house, which is about 50 yards away, gets a bucket. He comes back. Now it's like everywhere. Now we're both starting to get nervous. I was like, okay, you stay up here and stomp it out. I'm going to run away, actually. And uh, you can take the, the burden for this. Just kidding. I went back and got water. And I came back and it was just out of control. And meanwhile, just beyond where we were, there was all this dead brush that was like this tall. And the as soon as the fire caught over there, I mean, flames were I mean, it this was it was bigger than a bonfire at that point. And I was like, "Oh my gosh, I mean, and the woods beyond that extended I think like another mile or so." I was like, "I'm going to burn down this whole wooded area. Like, this is terrible. I'll, think about all the animals and the chipmunks and the squirrels." So I run to my back neighbor's house, knocking on their door in a panic, and I will call the fire department. Nobody was there. I come back to the scene, which is worse now. The house on the side of that, there was an old woman that lived there. She saw the whole thing go down. She's like, don't worry, I already called the fire department. I'm like, okay, I'm not worried anymore. Now I actually am really worried. I told my friend, I was like, you got to go home. Like, it just, you know, you're, you're already in trouble with other stuff. So you go home. Fire department comes, and I was like, yeah, it's over there. Of course they knew where it was. I mean, you can see it from miles away. So uh, then the emergency medical people come. They're like, are you okay? I was like right now, yeah, don't tell my dad. I was like, don't wake up my dad. He's sleeping. Let's just go in the ambulance together, and we'll figure this out later. So I go in the ambulance. They give me oxygen. I was like, oh, this is kind of cool, but then they treated me for second-degree burns on my legs. Bad idea, I get to the hospital, and then it kind of gets dark there. I think that I tried to disassociate with what happened because my parents showed up, and then it was not cool at all. We get back to the house later that day. A police officer comes to the house, and he's like, so what was up with the propane torch? And I was like, oh, minor detail that I forgot to mention We had a propane torch up there as well. He's like, that was very dangerous. Obviously, something terrible could have happened. Uh, The firefighters—they could have been injured. Other people could have been injured. And I was like, come on, man, I'm in seventh grade. Like, I just didn't think about that. Um, But I got put on uh, probation. Actually, I was on probation for like a month. Yeah. So your minister, the guy that leads your church, was on probation for a while. (laughs) I slipped that through the interview process. Just kidding. It's been exonerated. I've been exonerated, expunged at this point. But. But, I mean, my parents were livid. I mean, could you imagine, right? So if there's any teens or kids in the audience, this is not a good idea. But my parents were, they were so mad. And so from that point on for some time, there was separation that was happening in my house, right? That relationship was disrupted because I stepped outside of their will and their target for my life. For my life. And from a spiritual standpoint, this is what happens to all of us. Right? And there's no degree of, well, I didn't murder anybody. I just lied or cheated or whatever the case may be. Sin is sin. When you choose to be your own king and you step outside of the will of God, there's separation that's created there. And often it doesn't just end with you and God. It often manifests in relationship with one another. That is the reality of sin. And we've all done it Romans 3:23, "For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God." That is our reality. We all miss the mark. We all become separated from him. And there are some people out there that say that sin doesn't exist, that evil is not real. But just think about your own life. I was going to say turn on the news, but, like, just start with your own life, right? And then you can turn on the news and just, and and don't point the finger there because it's like, oh, yeah, that's, like, I get into that stuff too, right? But it is, I mean, it is so obvious when you step back for a minute and you just look around and you think about the nature of humanity. Sin is real. And so what do we do? right? I mean, this, is, this sounds like just a terrible and awful reality. And it is. And the disciple of Jesus recognizes how detrimental sin is to their own lives and to the lives of those around them. Disciples of Jesus have got to accept and embrace that as a reality. But there is an answer. Praise God for His divine intervention. Because we actually have have no power in overcoming that sin in and of ourselves. Sin is so powerful that there's nothing in our own power that we can do to overcome it. Try as we may, nothing we can do. But thanks be to our gracious and loving and merciful God that through His Son who went to the cross, we can be forgiven of every sin that has ever happened in our lives. 1 Peter 2, 24 and 25, he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness by his wounds, right? Not your wounds, his wounds. You have been healed. For you were like sheep going astray. Amen. That's who we were. That's who we can be. But now you've returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. That's coming to God through Jesus and through the cross. And I, would, I mean, that's a whole other sermon. I mean, we could spend a sermon series just on that alone. And so I don't mean to skip right over that. I mean, that is Amazing. But there are some, believe, that some that believe that, well, that's all that it takes. Jesus did it. <clears throat> I have no part in that. What, what, like, I don't need to do anything. But there's God's side, and then there's our side. And so our side is, and this is how the, the, what the Bible calls us to do, what God, through his word, calls us to do. Acts 2, verses 38 through 39. The first sermon preached about Jesus At Pentecost, right? Peter stands up. He's got the keys of the kingdom. He's about to open that thing up. He preaches his sermon. People there are cut to the heart. They're like, Yeah, we sinned. What we did put Jesus on the cross. What do we do? Acts 2 38 and 39. Peter replied, Repent, change your mind. You were thinking about your life in this way, that you were your Lord, that you were your King, that you could make your own decisions. Turn that around. Change. Sorry, this is the Ryan Irby translation. Um, but repent and be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. That's our side of it. Repent and be and be baptized it's not a burden it's an opportunity it's what the bible calls us to do and you will receive the gift of the holy spirit well amen to that isn't that some you know icing on top of the cake and you don't just get forgiveness of sins you receive the gift of the holy spirit the promises for you so he's talking to the jews there and your children for all who are far off and for all whom the Lord our God will call. That sounds like everybody to me, right? This is what Jesus has set out for his disciples to experience the forgiveness of sins and enter into his kingdom. Okay, repentance is the switch from I'm thinking about my own kingdom, my own ways of being. Now I'm thinking about your kingdom and dwelling in your ways. That's where his teaching is held to and obeyed. So John 8, that passage that we read before, that's a kingdom passage. Hold to my teachings. You hold to my teachings, you remain in the kingdom of Jesus Christ. But honestly, people and institutions try to create and invent other ways to experience forgiveness of sins. I mean, you know, as many of us are here in this room, there is a teaching, another way of doing it, right? But we've got to look at the Bible. We've got to look at what God says for us to experience that forgiveness. And so just two uh, quick practicals here. Um, and and then I'll, I'll move into uh, sin and grains. Um, but for those of us that are that are visiting today that aren't disciples yet and Maybe you've heard something about this repentance and and baptism and forgiveness of sins, and and, yeah, what is sin exactly? Um, You know, I've laid it out for you briefly, uh, but we study the Bible with people, and we help people. Basically, the, the study series that we have in place are to help people to understand what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. And this is part of that experience and that process. It doesn't end there, but that's part of it. And so if you're interested in learning more, we would love to study the scriptures with you and just lay it out for you. Here's what the Bible says. And look, we're on this journey too. Let's journey together. So repent and be baptized. Those of us that have already made Jesus Lord, we also need to continue in our repentance. Right? As we sin, as we experience sin in our lives, we repent. That's what a disciple of Jesus does. I, I, was, I messed up here. I was thinking about things in my own way. I want to do my own thing. Let me get back to holding to the teachings of Jesus. That's, re- that's repentance. It's, it's change. It's having a change of mind, which leads to a change of action. Um, <clears throat> but as I mentioned prior in the sermon, it doesn't just end at forgiveness. Forgiveness is not enough. I mean, it's, it's awesome, it's amazing, but when we talk about the reality of sin, we're also talking about sanctification, right? There's forgiveness, but then there's sanctification. We are trying to be formed into the image of Jesus. And there are these sin programs that have been ingrained in us, that Paul talks about, which I'll read in a second, that we need to, to work on, and we need to overcome, and we do that with Jesus, but point number two, sin ingrains. Romans 7, 21 through 24. And read the whole chapter when you get a chance, but let's just talk about a few verses here right now. So Paul is writing to the church in Rome, and Paul's talking about himself here. This is Paul, super apostle Paul, that wrote basically almost all the, basically, you know, almost all of the New Testament. It started and in so many churches. This is what he's saying about himself. Verse 21, so I find this law at work, although I want to do good, Evil is right there with me, for in my inner being I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Look at the language that Paul, him, Paul had already been baptized. right? Paul had already repented. He baptized. He had experienced the forgiveness of sins that was talked about in, in, in uh, Acts 2. And this is how he's talking about sin. Waging war in his inner being. That's... What Paul is describing here is the nature of sin. Sin separates, but sin ingrains. It becomes part of who we are. Again, it's not simply removed at baptism, but at baptism, a person is united with Christ, Romans 6, verses 1 through 7. And Paul had already explained that prior in the letter. But the old sin programs, they're like apps running in the background, draining the battery, right? Draining and sucking the life out of your spiritual battery, out of your life. See, I figured people would connect with that. If you don't connect with anything else, you know, cell phones. Um, But Paul is describing the training and ingraining of the world Everyone experiences, no matter what your background is, no matter what the things you have avoided in your life, no matter how good of a person others claim you are. Sin ingrains. Sin trains and ingrains. And I think think about it, I mean, certainly you've not surpassed Paul in his goodness. Right? I mean, you can look at other places that talk, Paul talks about how, you know, great he was, which is, that might be an issue in and of itself. But you get the point. this is how Paul is talking about himself, waging war and making him a prisoner of the law of sin. You know, habits have a, a way of, they just have a hard time dying, don't they? Okay, and often we see habits manifest, especially in our home lives, okay? And since we've, Since Katie and I I have purchased a home, there's some habits that have come out that uh, are are dying hard, that are hard to change. And so, um, and I guess this this existed prior to us buying a home, but um, so when I take a shower, um, I forget to turn on the fan sometimes. And part of that is because I just like it to be, I like it to be a steam room in there. You know what I mean? Like I get out and it's like, it's a sauna. It's like a whole experience, you know? Um, but Katie always turns the fan on when she takes a shower. <laughs> and um, so, 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 so we've had this conversation, this ongoing sort of dialogue. Well, it's not a sort of dialogue. It is dialogue. And she's like, could you just turn the fan on before you jump in the shower? And I was like, why? And she's like, well, cause it, it fogs up the mirror and you got to wipe it and then it gets, you know, it gets all messy and stuff. And I'm like, I I just wanted you to come in and write I heart you on the mirror. I just thought that would be nice. But, but anyway, so I was like, yeah, I I can do that. You know what I mean? Like, don't sweat the small stuff. Like just, uh, you know, I'll, I can change that. But I, I forget, like, every time I go in there. You know what I mean? It's just a habit not to do it. And so K- Katie's like, could you just remember to turn the fan on, man? Like, you said you were going to do it. And I'm like, I mean, she doesn't say it like that. Katie is, like, the sweetest person in the world. Come on, man. Um, yeah, she gets a lacrosse. No, I'm kidding. Um, um, but, but, and I, I, and I'm genuine, and I, i yeah, I'll try to do it next time, and I just keep forgetting, and this was going on for, like, weeks and weeks, and then, then it got to a point where I would do it, and I'd be like, hey, I turned the fan on. Cool, right? And she's like, yeah, whatever. That's like, you said you were going to do that, but my, my, just, and you, I mean, there's lots of other habits that I could talk about, but just think about it, right? Like, there are habits that are in you, that when you try to change them, it's just not that simple. And sin works the same way. It gets ingrained in who you are in your inner being, as Paul talks about. It becomes part of your habitual way of thinking, fe- feeling, being, and acting. It just is. And so even though we experience this baptism, this you know, process, this amazing experience with Jesus, there's another process that needs to take place. And that's what we call sanctification right? And so the question is, okay, yeah, sanctification, but what do we do? What do we do about this problem and this issue? Well, the, the very simple response is discipleship to Jesus. Continual discipleship to Jesus. Continual repentance. But more specifically, this is where spiritual formation comes in. Spiritual Transformation. What we need to do is what Paul encourages Timothy, 1 Peter 4, verse 7. Have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tale. Rather, train yourself to be godly. Train yourself. Train yourself. Like, like the old, um, the, the wise baby Yoda said. Well, he wasn't a baby at that time, but, but Yoda said, You must unlearn. What you have learned, right? You unlearn what you have learned. You unlearn by training yourself to learn and pick up new godly habits. We engage in spiritual training in those exercises and and disciplines that help form the inner person so that it is like Jesus. Galatians 4, verse 19. My dear children, this is Paul reading the church in Galatia, for whom I am again in the pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. These people had already been baptized. They already experienced forgiveness, but Paul was like, man, I want Christ to be formed in you. And he was joining with them in that process. And this is where the inner being of the disciple of Jesus takes on the character and nature of Jesus so that he or she more naturally, more automatically holds to the teachings of Jesus, which are summarized in this. Luke 10, verse 27, love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. That takes training. That takes discipline, focus, effort, and intention. The Bible is not opposed to effort. It's opposed to earning. The Bible talks a lot about putting all of our effort into growth and development. And so as we continue in our Disciple of Jesus series, I'll be taking, in turn, each dimension of the inner person highlighted in Jesus' teaching here. Heart, soul, strength, and mind. How do we change those things? And about the spiritual disciplines that enable us to love God in this way and love our neighbors as ourselves. Sin is our ultimate obstacle in living out our discipleship to Jesus, in experiencing the intimacy with God and with one another that Jesus himself offers us. So let's repent. Let's get baptized. Let's be forgiven. And let's train spiritually. And let's be disciples of Jesus so that we can know the truth that is Jesus and through him truly be set free. Amen and thank you.